He did not remain long, but said he would look in later in the day and see Lord Galdeming. His coming, however, had been a certain comfort to us, since it assured us that we should not have to dread hostile criticism as to any of our acts. Arthur was expected to arrive at five o'clock, so a little before that time we visited the great chamber. It was so in very truth, for now both mother and daughter lay in it. The undertaker, true to his craft, had made the best display he could of his goods, and there was a mortuary air about the place that lowered our spirits at once. Van Helsing ordered the former arrangement to be adhered to, explaining that, as Lord Galdeming was coming very soon, it would be less harrowing to his feelings to see all that was left of his fiancée quite alone. The undertaker seemed shocked at his own stupidity, and exerted himself to restore things to the condition in which we left them the night before, so that when Arthur came, such shocks to his feelings as we could avoid were saved. Poor fellow! He looked desperately sad and broken. Even his stalwart manhood seemed to have shrunk somewhat under the strain of his much-tried emotions. He had, I knew, been very genuinely and devotedly attached to his father, and to lose him, and at such a time was a bitter blow to him. With me he was as warm as ever, and to Van Helsing he was sweetly courteous, but I could not help seeing that there was some constraint with him. The professor noticed it too, and mentioned me to bring him upstairs. I did so, and left him at the door of the room, so I felt he would like to be quite alone with her. "'but he took my arm and led me in, saying huskily, "'You loved her too, old fellow. "'She told me all about it, "'and there was no friend had a closer place in her heart than you. "'I don't know how to thank you for all you have done for her. "'I can't think yet.' 